when Amanda and I and our kids first moved into our house about eight years ago, we planted two oak trees by the street. It was pretty barren out there. And we were gifted two oak trees, and we planted those oak trees, and my, have they grown. And uh, especially uh, after that rain a week or so ago, they, they caught a little bit more energy, and they're starting to have little uh, acorns on them now. But because they've grown so beautifully over the last eight years, there are now branches hanging over the street. And it's become dangerous because the branches on my tree are blocking the view of the stop sign one house away. And apparently, this is a violation. I got a warning. The type of violation is obstructed view. And the comments here at the bottom say, trim up low-hanging tree limbs to allow clear view. So yesterday, I did what I was asked, uh, and I trimmed those trees And not only can you see the stop sign, but my trees look really good, (laughs) really good. And I had this moment where I realized that it wasn't until after I saw that the limbs were gone, it wasn't until after I had removed the limbs that I really realized how dangerous and unhelpful it was. And how grateful I am that I and my neighbors and anybody that comes past can now clearly see what they are meant to do in that moment. And this is kind of the big idea of our gospel reading this morning. John is preparing the way, helping people see clearly the sign that God has put before them, that Jesus is the Messiah, the beloved and approved Son of God, and that by faith in Him, when we see Him, when we clearly see Him, and that by faith in Him, we are beloved and approved sons and daughters of God. That's what we're going to look at this morning. I want to encourage you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 3, In your blue Bible in the seats, that is on page 859, Luke chapter 3, verses 21 and 22. We begin with this news. When all the people were being baptized, when all the people were being baptized, why were all the people being baptized. Baptism is about identification. Identification. And all the people were being baptized because they were identifying themselves with God and with God's story. All the people being baptized know the story. You know the story? Adam 
was created in God's image. And he was designed with the desire and ability to reflect the character and the purposes of his creator. Adam was created to represent God to the world, represent God's character, represent God's glory. Then the story takes a turn for the worse. And tragically, Adam was not content with his identity or his role. And instead, Adam chose to live independently from God. Adam, as our representative, rejected God's word, rebelled against God's design, and refused the responsibility God had given him. And that had devastating consequences, not just on Adam, but for all people. And God keeps his word. He does what he says and says what he does. And although humanity is removed from the garden, we are not abandoned. God holds on to his desire to have a people for himself, a royal people to bear his image, a holy people to represent his character and glory to the world. So God calls the nation of Israel to carry the mantle that Adam dropped. And this is the heart of God's promise to Abraham in Genesis 12. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. It's the heart of God's intervention through Moses in Exodus 6. I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. God is passionately pursuing a people that will live in relationship with him and extend his purposes to the nations. But the story keeps having these hindrances, these obstacles. And ultimately, Israel's no more faithful than Adam. God's chosen, royal, holy people repeatedly get stuck, repeatedly fail to obey God and represent his glory to the nations. But God doesn't give up. God remains steadfast to his purposes and he patiently and passionately pursues a people for himself. And through the prophet Jeremiah, God declares this, the days are coming when I'll make a new covenant with the people of Israel. I'll put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I'll be their God. They'll be my people. I'll forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. This is God's story. And this is the context of why, Jesus, why John is baptizing people in the Jordan and why all the people are coming to be baptized. This is the context. It's also the content of John's message. The axe is at the root of the tree. Those things that have obstructed your relationship with God, those things that are preventing you from seeing God's love and his purposes in your life, they are now being cut down and removed that you can see and participate in what God is now doing. 
John's baptizing the crowds for repentance and the forgiveness of sin. And all the people are coming because they know the story and they want to be identified with the new thing that God's doing, the new covenant that he promised to make. They know the story and they want to be in on it. They want to be a part of its fulfillment. So they come to be baptized. This is an expression of their identification with God And his story, a sign of their desire to remove every spiritual obstacle in their lives so that they can clearly see and respond to the Messiah. Do you identify with God's story? Do you see yourself clearly within it? Because here's what that means for us. We're all sons and daughters of Adam. And we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God and the character that he created us to reflect in his image and likeness. And the reality of my life and the reality of your life is that religion is not working. Self-help is insufficient and unsustainable Our best efforts to return to God are never enough. And so in the midst of this amazing, wonderful story, the truth and reality is is that we all desperately need God to return to us. We desperately need God to show up and intervene on our behalf. We need God to help us because we don't have what it takes in and of ourselves to help ourselves. And so God comes. He doesn't abandon us in our need. He doesn't turn away from us. He comes to us to rescue us. And so Jesus was baptized too. Way back in the 4th century, St. Cyril of Jerusalem says this, Water is at the origin of the world. The Jordan is at the origin of the gospel. Jesus' public ministry is unveiled at his baptism in the Jordan River. Luke tells us that Jesus is around 30 years old at the time, which is the age when the priest of Israel can be ordained. And although Jesus doesn't need to repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of sin because he's God, and he'll be tempted in every way as we are, but he is without sin. Nevertheless, Jesus chooses to be baptized. Have you ever wondered why? It kind of seems weird. Why was Jesus baptized too? Jesus comes to be baptized to identify himself with us. He doesn't need repentance for the forgiveness of sins, but he shows his solidarity with all of us who do. Jesus is fully God, and he is fully human. And so his baptism isn't a reflection of his need for cleansing It's a revelation of his role as cleanser. 
And just kind of as an aside, I think it's really cool that this is why Luke adds the genealogy of Jesus in verses 23 and 38, just to make sure that we all get what's going on here. This genealogy that follows is the cheek swab report of Jesus' 23andMe test. His family tree goes beyond Adam all the way back to Luke, to beyond Abraham, all the way back to Adam. And what Luke means us to see is that the life and ministry of Jesus connects to the life and ministry of Adam and the life and ministry of Israel. And just like Adam and Israel, Jesus is called to reflect his father's image and represent his glory to the world. But unlike Adam and Israel, Jesus is perfectly holy and completely obedient. And so what Jesus is doing is he's not only identifying with us, he's he's identifying with God's story and his place within it. In his baptism, Jesus is declaring that he has come to accomplish what Adam and Israel failed to do. That the error of Abraham and Moses and the law and the prophets was coming to an end and the era of grace and truth ushered in by the promised Messiah was beginning. And so Jesus shows up at the Jordan, the origin of the gospel. Jesus' baptism initiates God's new covenant that restores God's purposes, bringing salvation to all who believe. As he steps into the water, Jesus steps into the shoes of every sinner. He goes under the waters of baptism as a way of saying, consider me to be one of you. Fully human. As he rises up out of the water, Jesus demonstrates what he will do for every believer. As he comes up out of the water, he's saying, this is what I have come to give you. I will raise up and restore to a right relationship with God and his purposes everyone who believes in me. And so Jesus' baptism is a picture of his redemption. He's foreshadowing what he's going to do through his death and resurrection. At the beginning of his earthly ministry, he's pointing to the culmination and what he will eventually and ultimately do at the end of his earthly ministry. And this, this stirs up the people of God. It stirs up the early church. It stirs up the apostle Paul who says to the church in Rome, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and all are justified freely by God's grace to the redemption that came from Christ Jesus. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people, Romans 5, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow and save many. Jesus identifies with our sin so that we can be identified with God's love and approval. That's what's going on here. 
Look at verse 22. As Jesus was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended upon him. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. I love you and I'm pleased with you. I love you and you make me happy. I love you and you bring me great joy. I love you and you are very good. Just as it was meant to be in the beginning. Because of who Jesus is, two things happen. You see it? The first is that the Holy Spirit descended upon him. This is the Holy Spirit that was hovering over the waters of creation in the beginning, bringing life to the world. This is the Holy Spirit, the breath of God, that made Adam more than just clay, but put the very presence and glory and character of God within him. This is the Holy Spirit that conceived Jesus in the womb of a virgin. This is the Holy Spirit that indwelled Jesus, making him not just fully man, but also fully God. This is the Holy Spirit that now comes upon him to empower him. And as the Holy Spirit who conceived Jesus who indwells Jesus, now comes upon Jesus. It marks the beginning of his earthly ministry and his anointing as the Messiah. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. This is a divine declaration that the Lord Jesus Christ is God, is Messiah is the forgiver of our sin, the healer of our soul, the leader of our lives, the one who restores us to the original glory God purposed for us from the beginning. This is who God, from the beginning, chose to send into the world to be our sacrifice and substitution that we might have life and life to the full. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased Let's pause for a second. Because I want to invite you to seriously consider those words. Before his baptism, Jesus had done no ministry. He'd healed no sick person. He'd performed no miracles. He'd set no one free. And yet, the Father's love and complete pleasure was fully upon him. He had done nothing to earn or gain or merit the love and the approval of the Father, except that the Father just loved him. That the Father just loved him and delighted in him and approved of him because of who he was. Do you know what that means? There is a message here, a sign, a revelation for everyone who puts their trust in Christ. What this means is that in Christ, the Father 
sees nothing in us that he cannot completely pardon and infinitely remove. There is no sin that can separate us from the love of God in Christ. There is no obstacle, there is no hindrance that would keep the love of God from pursuing us and finding us and drawing us to himself and restoring us to his purposes for us that we might know his love and enjoy his love and convey his love to all of those around us. God's pleasure is not based on what you do for him. God is pleased with you because you are his child in Christ Jesus. If you are in Christ, you are a child of God. And he accepts you because you're in Christ and Christ is in you. That's the hope of the glory that God has brought to us in him. And because the father is pleased with his son, he is also pleased with us. Because Jesus is beloved and accepted by the father in him, we are beloved and accepted by the father. Therefore, in Christ, we don't strive for the love and approval of God. We gratefully live from the love and approval of God. The gospel declares that in Christ, we are completely loved and totally approved, just like Jesus. How how great is that? It does raise the question, do we identify ourselves with Jesus? Relationship goes both ways. And what we see here is that Jesus has demonstrated his love for us by identifying with us. And he invites us in grateful response to identify with him. This is actually what we do in our baptism. And when others are being baptized, like the first week in November, we'll have some baptisms here. When we renew what we call our baptismal covenant, which goes all the way back to the first century, God's people have been responding to these questions for 2,000 years in grateful response to who Jesus is and who we are in him. Do you renounce Satan and all the spiritual forces of wickedness that rebel against God? Do you? Do you renounce the evil powers of this world which corrupt and destroy the creatures of God? Do you? Do you renounce all sinful desires that draw you from the love of God? Do you turn to Jesus Christ And receive him as your savior? Do you put your whole trust in his grace and in his love? Do you promise to follow and obey him as the Lord and leader of your life? Do you? Here's what God is doing. Because we are in Christ, the Holy Spirit has given us a new birth. He has conceived spiritual life in us. He has taken up residence in our hearts. 
And he has given us the desire and the ability to live no longer for ourselves, but for God and for his glory. Christ doesn't just step out of heaven and onto the earth to get us out of hell. He steps out of heaven onto earth to get his life in us so that he can live his life through us. Remember back in Galatians 4, Paul says, Because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to cry out, Daddy, oh, thank you. Abba, Father. And because we are in Christ, we have the assurance of God's love and approval. It does not rest on us. It rests on Christ himself. And so John says in 1 John 3, see how very much our Father loves us for he calls us his children and that is what we are. Over the summer, I went through a uh, 16 session lecture series on sonship with an accompanied workbook was one of the best things that I've done for my spiritual life and identity in a while. And ever since then, I've been reflecting on who I am in Christ, looking at the scriptures and to see who it is that God says that I am in Christ because of who he is and what he's done and who he is in me. This is, this, is, this, is, this is who you are in Christ. God loves you and approves of you because you're God's possession, child, masterpiece, friend, temple, vessel, co-laborer, witness, soldier, ambassador, building, minister, instrument. You are beloved. God loves you and approves of you Because in Christ, you've been chosen, washed, redeemed, forgiven, adopted, justified, and set free. God loves you and approves of you in Christ. Because in him, you've been given the Holy Spirit, a sound mind, the ministry of reconciliation, authority over the enemy, access to God, and wisdom when you ask. God loves you and approves of you. Because in Christ, you are born again, complete, sanctified, not condemned, seated in heavenly places, a city on a hill, the salt of the earth, a citizen of heaven, hidden with Christ, protected from the evil one, secure, more than a conqueror, victorious, and covered by the blood of Jesus. God loves you and approves of you. Because in Christ you have access to the Father, a living hope, an anchor for your soul, a hope that is sure and steadfast, peace with God, mercy and grace, the power to witness, the ability to pray always. And you cannot be separated from the love of God, perish or be lost, or ever be snatched out of the Father's hands. God loves you. And he approves you. In Christ. God loves you and approves you in Christ. 
He loves you. He is so well pleased with you. You make God happy. He looks at you and he sees Christ in you and you in Christ. And the father declares, this is my son. This is my daughter whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. You make me happy. That's the rest of the gospel. That's the fullness of who Christ is and who we are in Christ. It's the beginning of our journey together this fall. And everything else that we're going to talk about as we look at Jesus and who he is and discover more about because of who Jesus is, who we are, this is where it begins. God loves you and approves of you. And this fall, we're going to look at the reality that God's story is not over. That his story is good and that he has invited and written us into it. God's purposes have always been to create a people, a community of sons and daughters who will delight in his love and reflect his character and demonstrate his glory to the world and in a very real way. We, the church, are now called to pick up the mantle. From Adam to Abraham to Moses to Jeremiah, fulfilled and perfected in Jesus, now we carry the purposes of God in Christ. In Christ, we are beloved and approved. In Christ, we bear the redeemed image of our creator. In Christ, the Spirit has given us the desire and ability to display his character and demonstrate his love and purposes to the world. And so that's our invitation this morning. Not only to the Lord Jesus Christ at his table through the bread and the wine, but together as a gospel community. Looking at Christ's identity and our identity and the fullness of life that we have in Christ. Let's pray.